it, I think it's interesting that Luke Skywalker is now Fernando Alonso at the age of 41, having his final <laughs> career resurgence. Finally, he made a good career move. Um, so for WTF1 to reach out to me and was like, yeah, we want you as one of the new hosts here because Matt and Tom's leaving and, and Katie's leaving too. And I'm like... Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wheel Sports Podcast. Obviously, this is our continuation of the Creator Series, where we invite awesome creators from the F1 and motorsport world to join us, chat about their experiences, but more importantly, just chat about F1. And I'm joined today by a wonderful guest that I'm sure many of you may know because he's part of, I think, the biggest channel on YouTube F1. And as always, I'll let him introduce himself because, well, he knows himself better than I do. So go ahead. Um, you said quality content creators. I'm like, so what the heck have you got me on here for? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, hi, everybody. I'm Dre Harrison. You may now know me as... Uh, you, you may know me as Harrison 101, but uh, I, I that's my real name, Dre Harrison. I'm now the uh, podcast and general content creator at WTF1. Yes, I'm one of the new people. Um, send all your hateful comments down below. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to touch on that slightly. Obviously, we're going to spend the, the bulk of this podcast just chatting F1 because, well, it's an F1 podcast. Of course. Um, but what has the experience been like? Because for me, and, and funnily enough, we talked about this, bef- I think it was around the time you joined with um, James from Lakeside, Lakeside Drive. And we were saying we don't envy you guys because it's kind of a blessing and a curse, right? It's, it's, it's a massively known brand. It's something, uh, a brand that we've all loved for years. But then you've got the curse of it was very much a, a personality brand. And people these days don't seem to be able to just kind of go, yeah, this isn't for me. I'll listen to something else. They have to throw stuff at the television. Um, so how has that been, the, the kind of two sides of that coin? You, you got it pretty much in one. It's been <laughs> it's been a whirlwind, obviously. Um, I came from a, a very pokey, very small content creation network. Motorsport 101's always been a bit of my baby. It's been a bit of a love child over the last eight years or so, but it wasn't, it wasn't much more than a hobby. Um, so for WTF1 to reach out to me and was like, yeah, we want you as one of the new hosts here because Matt and Tom's leaving and, and Katie's leaving too. And I'm like... <laughs> Well, shit. Um, <laughs> so, 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 like, obviously, it was, it was, it was the shock of my life, and I, and I say yeah. that with full sincerity. So, it's been a whirlwind. It's taken a lot to get used to, and I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's a very delicate balance because it's a very mm. personality-driven game these days. Yeah. Because let's be honest, there's a hundred different podcasts out there that do similar stuff, like race reviews and you know content. And there's, there's. It's more diverse than it's ever been, which is obviously yeah. a good thing. And people mm-hmm. are coming in from different areas. The sports absolutely had a shot in the arm in terms of popularity <laughs> the last half decade or so. 100%, yeah. But at the same time, at its core, it's still a lot of very similar stuff. So it does became it does become a game of personalities after a little mm-hmm. while. So having to mentally weigh up how much of that do I want to interject in there? How much do we want to go by the old formula? Which, look... No disrespect to Matt and Tom. They did a fantastic job. And I openly say, I said to many people, they were beyond the WTF1 brand in terms mm-hmm. of popularity. People loved them because of Matt and Tom. I'm, I, 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 I'm not ignorant to that at all. <laughs> I, I don't want to dismiss that in any way, shape or form. So when this new guy comes in with a completely different perspective, completely different style of presenting and broadcasting, yeah, it's going to be yeah. a shock to the system. So I completely understand a lot of the backlash that's come with that. And 
you know, I've always just tried to crack on and, and I'm confident in myself to know that what I'm putting out there, I think is good. Um, yeah. um, and obviously just weighing up how much of that you want to interject, how much you you don't want to, and you know, you don't want to step on too many people's toes. You want to kind yeah. of do your own thing, but at the same time, <laughs> what you did previously worked so as well so it's 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 weighing up a lot of different things but yeah it, overall I've, I've really enjoyed it. i'm very proud to represent the brand and um i you know i think things will only get better in time it's not been the smoothest of starts i'm not going to lie about that i mean but at the same time you know i'm i'm confident in myself and i'm confident we're, we're, we're making steps in the right direction yeah and I, I think that that was one of the big challenges for you, for for all of you joining realistically is like the race uh which as far as i know owns wtf1 the race yeah. media right but right yeah the race for example is more journalistic more kind of that you know it's a, it's just a media company in reality so i think in that particular situation and no disrespect to the likes of Scott, uh, Mitchell Mam, and, and so on. But you can kind of say, right, we could swap in a new journalist. And obviously, it would take some adjusting, but it is more of a journalistic endeavor. Whereas I think for you, for you guys, it was just much more difficult because WTF1 was more of that kind of personality-driven media. So that's, I think that was why we were saying, I don't envy you guys because I knew people would be would give that kind of opinion, which is annoying. And it reminds me of the Sean Locke joke from years ago where he said, um, I never understood people sending in complaints to the BBC when you have a remote. You can just exactly. change the channel. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, absolutely, there's absolutely something to that. And, and, and God rest his soul, Sean Locke was a very funny man. And he's absolutely yeah. spot on. And, you know, I, the joke I, I'd, I'd come out with on Twitch a couple of times was always, it's not an airport, you don't have to announce your departure. <laughs> Yeah, um exactly, and, exactly. and a, a lot of people got the wrong end of the stick regarding the transition a lot of people thought that you know oh, the, the racers come involved and they've pushed them out the door that was never the case and if yeah. anything matt and tom launching p1 probably actually did us a small favor because they confirmed it themselves that they were yeah. not pushed out of the door and yeah. that they wanted to leave and do their own thing and look People think it's like it's a bit of an us versus them situation, and it's never been that. I have no. nothing but respect for Matt and Tom, and I've been there as an independent content creator, and I know sometimes you've got to make those difficult decisions between being a part of a big brand and then going it alone and make you know trying to make your own thing because. Yeah. You know, ultimately, it's being an employee versus being your own boss. And some people have to weigh that all the time. So yeah. I have nothing but respect for them doing that and making that decision because that, that shit's hard, man. <laughs> you Definitely. know, so, so yeah, coming, <laughs> coming in off the back of all that and then people getting the wrong end of the stick and, you know, a lot of people will use us as the vocal point of their frustration. My yeah. point has always been the same. It's not that they've died. <laughs> They're all yes. going off and doing their own projects. <laughs> like, like Matt and Tom's doing great work with P1. Katie's done fantastic with Small Talk. She's back with Formula yep. E. She's going to do fantastic work over there because that's her bread and butter. Nothing but respect for all of them. And I've always said to people, there's more than enough room around this table for everybody to eat. 100%. 100%. And, and anyone who wondered about that as well um i believe it was like this week matt and tommy did a podcast with pit stop and they talked about that that it was their decision to leave they wanted more creative freedom and like you said unfortunately when you work for someone you're not going to have 100 percent creative freedom that's just that's part of the deal you get more stability but less freedom and that that's just the way it works it's the Absolutely. toss that you have to have 
But no, like I commend you guys for sticking with it because I, I know it was uh, it was a bit a bit tough there. I remember seeing it on Twitter and going, "Oh, this is not nice." Mm. Um, but you know what? I think like everything, it eventually calms down, and I think people will just get over it and move on. That you know, let's be honest, Twitter is not a nice place most of the time anyway. No. So I think that was always <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> yeah, like I said on Twitter last week, I knew I knew what I signed up for. I yeah. knew it was never going to be the smoothest of sailings ever because I. Matt and Tom are ir- Matt, Tom, Katie, all irreplaceable as people. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I, you, 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 no matter how good you are, for some people, it's a relationship thing. That's their what's that? That's their bread and butter. That's what they're used to. Yeah. No matter how smooth the whole thing would have gone, there would have always been a, a degree of backlash, and I completely understand that. So, yeah. you know, it, it was never going to be easy. But um, as you said, I think time heals a lot of wounds, and I think it will only get smoother as time goes on. Yeah, so for those of you listening who enjoyed WTF1 before and haven't maybe checked out the new version with the new crew, do check it out, give them time, and if you don't like it, there's tons of other things out there, you don't need to send abuse on Twitter, um, you know, we've gotten that ourselves as well, so we understand it, even though much on a much smaller scale, I think, because you came into something <laughs> a little bit bigger, but anyway. Just, just a touch. Um. <laughs> but let's, uh, I think... Like I said, I didn't want to spend too much time on that. I just wanted to, more from my own curiosity, more than anything, how it was going. But let's move on to F1, I guess, because that's what everyone's here for, right? So, Absolutely. Um, fun season, big title fight. At the, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Red Bull. <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on Red Bull so far? I mean, do you think it is going to be a wrapped up season already? Or do you think there is some hope? I mean, I guess most of us probably know the answer to this. But what, what's your thoughts on it? I'm trying, Jason. I'm really am. I'm I'm, I'm trying to give you like because when we came into when he came into WTF and we were doing a bunch of preview content, I was the more cynical one of the four of us because I was the a, a lot of people wanted Mercedes and Ferrari. Maybe they'll put more of a bigger footprint on the championship. I was the one sitting there going, "I think it's going to be more of the same." Personally, and, right? Like, you yeah, know, yeah. and and the the hint for me was the fact they stopped developing. Their, their RB18 last year after the summer break. I was like, uh-oh. Um, if, 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 if you're confident enough that you can sack off half a season of development and focus on the following year's car, that says to me that you've probably got something very, very hot under your sleeve for the following year. And I think we've seen so far this season that that's what's holding up and that is going to be a problem um going forward so yeah i feel like red bull they won 17 out of 22 last year they could run the the table it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did so that could be a problem I want to give people hope. I really do. I'm trying because, like I said, when I came when I came into WTF, when we were doing a bunch of preseason content and and trying things out, like a lot of people were optimistic. I know us co-presenters. I think the majority of us thought that Ferrari and Mercs would have more of a footprint on things by now, yep. and it looks like for me it was the opposite. And the feeling I had was the summer break. Yep. Red Bull announces that they're ending development on their RB18. They're going all in on their RB19. And I sat there going, uh-oh. Yeah. Um, if, the, if, if, if they're shutting down development of their car halfway through a season and then would go on to win nine of the last <laughs> ten anyway, 
I know the porpoising directive halfway through the year didn't help matters because I think it seemed to to hurt Ferrari a lot more second half of the year, and then Merck's actually snuck one in on out the back door by the end of the year. But I, all those were signs to me that I thought Red Bull are sp- they've got something cooking here for 2023 and i hate being proven right sometimes because that's what it feels like i mean the way this season's played out so far red bull has smoked the field and i i still don't think they've (laughs) unleashed 100 percent of what they've got i think it's it's like freezer in dragon ball there's still two more transformations left to go through here um I, i think the fact that verstappen got to second in saudi arabia very comfortably yeah even uh, helped with a safety car, but it was still very comfortable. Mm. It was still very comfortable. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. I, f- I feel like the fact that he got to second without really breaking too much of a sweat, and the only person that could beat him was a pretty inspired Perez, to be fair, in the second car. But, um... <laughs> ah, of course. He's, uh, for those who maybe aren't watching the log, he just flashed the Perez yeah. log in front of me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, good, good. No, that was that was probably the best Perez I've seen in a Red Bull. So that was quite opt- a little bit optimistic, at yeah. least. If, if there's some hope, it might be a two car championship like 2014 was uh. or something like that. But but it, it, it it's 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 going to be a one car championship. It feels very much I, like that at the moment. I, as you can imagine, from the fact that I just flagged a a, a Checo mug, I am a Checo fan, <laughs> but I am also under no illusions that I don't know if Checo could do a title fight the whole way through. Checo has some brilliant mm. performances, and I think Singapore or sorry, not Singapore, well Singapore, yes, yeah, also yes, cool, but yeah. also Saudi Arabia uh, is what I meant to say mm. was uh, <laughs> an incredible performance, and he has a lot of them, but. I think Max is just driving at a different level at the moment. And it's it's like these situations where you get, you know, Hamilton in the past with Bottas, you know, uh, Schumacher with most of his teammates. You just get mm. these great drivers that come along. And unfortunately, uh, you know, Perez is a fantastic driver, but he's not a Verstappen. And that's just, you know, and this is not me reverse drinking it like I've been doing for the entire season. <laughs> Um. <laughs> I, I, you could almost tell the hope in the room yeah. here coming in as you say this <laughs> no look you're, I, I think you're absolutely right Sergio Perez is a very very good driver he, he was he was named king of the midfielders for a decade for a good yes. reason and that's because he had a great knack of being in the right place at the right time taking advantage of when situations were presented to him and he earned a Red Bull seat he was so good that final year at what was the artist formerly known as Racing Point <laughs> yeah. um like that last season, he was fourth in the championship that year. Incredible. Like, people forget that. Incredible. Like, he, he was sensational in that year. So he, he absolutely earned an opportunity to go to this Red Bull seat. He's a very, very good driver. The problem is, is that Max Verstappen on the other side of the garage is probably going to retire an, an all-time great yes. by the time it's all said and done. Yeah. I mean, he retires tomorrow. Two world titles, 36 wins. That's a better career number than Fernando Alonso did. <laughs> and and a lot of people love them some Alonso. We know the, the internet loves them some Massive Nando, Alonso so. fan. So, yeah. <laughs> Massive. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, if, if Max retires tomorrow, he's got as good career numbers, if not slightly better than F- Fernando. Like, And he's still only 25? Yep. He's like, he's- Max has got... 15 years if he wants And he's it. probably not going to make the poor decisions in terms of changing teams that Alonso did throughout his career. So <laughs> no, like he's he's in he's in he's in the best team in the sport right now and Red Bull have 
you know, they no team has done more in such a short amount of time, relative speaking, than Red Bull Racing has over the I last think, I think they're, decade and a half. They're up a second on last year's pace already, right? And that was the thing that I think um, like that. Mercedes and Ferrari and so on set what they thought were aggressive targets only to show up and realize, wait, they pulled a second out of an already fast car? And... I think the the, the, the the first draft was a 17 win car. Yes. That was the first draft. Yes. <laughs> when Nui gets it's it scary. right, Nui gets it right. And I think that's the simple fact. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I think there's a lot of, um, not to talk about Twitter again, but there's a lot of hostility on Twitter, but I think credit where credit's due to Red Bull, right? If they get it right, they get it right. And that's, it, it is, again, to say, use the phrase, it's a blessing and a curse of our sport. It's an engineering sport. And when the engineers get it right, Unfortunately, it leads to a dominant season, but you still have to give the, the people credit, uh, like like we did to Mercedes for so many years, you know. <laughs> I've always had a fan theory that we as fans, we care most about the fleshy bit behind the wheel yeah. when it's always been an engineering sport first. I think we've seen some of that internal turmoil at Mercedes when they have to write an open letter to their fans <laughs> after Bahrain because of the amount of blowback they got. Because I think even... Team LH was was surprised at how far off the pace Mercedes was in Bahrain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, having to write an open letter saying, well, if you're with us, you're with us. If you're not, you're not. That's fine. And it's that realisation that this is an engineering game first. We love the drivers. And, you know, we I've always said, us as human beings will always be more captivated by human stories. Yeah. Um, and this is... Probably the first time in his entire career that Hamilton's got a car that he probably can't win with. This is year 16 of his career. <laughs> He's yeah, done all right I mean, somehow, you know? He was kind of unlucky last year because he put in some fantastic drives. Let's let's transition to Mercedes, mm. actually, because they've, sure. they've, they're in a weird situation of... I think for me, McLaren has the most exciting lineup in terms of young drivers, but I think Mercedes has the best lineup in terms of two drivers because... Uh, look, I don't want to get into a comparison between Verstappen and Hamilton because, you know, mm. one people will throw a- oh boy. one people will throw <laughs> eggs, and two, it's a conversation that you can never actually compare anyway because you can't put them in the same car and check. So it's a it's a pointless conversation. But in terms of a driver lineup, I think Mercedes has the best driver lineup because both drivers there are fantastic, and it's kind of. It's such a weird situation because you've probably got two two of the best drivers on the grid in the car that looks like it's the fourth fastest at some tracks now. It did it was slightly better at Jeddah, but they're also mm. seemingly going to change concept soon. So what's what's it's, your outlook for Mercedes this year in terms of the car first, I suppose? Do you think it'll get better or do you think it's gonna get a lot worse first? It depends. How patient are you as a Mercedes fan? I mean, because <laughs> this, this is, this is. I mean, every like they were a bit more optimistic after Jeddah, and that's understandable mm-hmm. because Russell was unlucky not to end up on the podium yeah. in that race. I mean, we all know about the Alonso. Was it a the, penalty? The was FIA a penalty? getting things right Nonsense. as always. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, we, I thought we fixed stewarding, um, <laughs> etc. Et but. Um, <laughs> You know, you know how that goes. They were a bit more optimistic post Jeddah, but when Toto Wolf is saying it's going to take us six to twelve months to even understand Red Bull's understanding of the aerodynamics, and they clearly held on to a bit of false hope at the end of last year that maybe this side pod concept is still worth saving. Yeah. That was probably the biggest mistake they could have made, oh. i.e., thinking, oh well, we were a bit stronger towards the end of last season. Maybe there's some hope here. And it like it's turned out it's gone the other way, and it's like, well, we're actually getting blown out here now. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with you. I think they have the best driver lineup in Formula 1 because I think at at worst, George Russell is a very, very solid number two. At best, he's Hamilton 2.0. It's somewhere in that ballpark. because Again, I think Hamilton definitely chucked away some of his development last year at the start of the season, um, but got better as the year went on. But George is close. There is no doubt about it. Even if you, you could be the biggest LH fan in the world, um, but even so, like George is a very, very good number two. So outlooks probably looking kind of bleak. Feels like it could be two years. It could be a, the new regulation move in twenty twenty six. That could that could be that could be the worst case scenario because. If Toto Wolf is saying it's going to take six to twelve months to get used to this, to get to catch up to Red Bull in terms of their aero knowledge, apply yeah. that, build a new concept which might not even be all that efficient because they've got a cost cap to regulate now as well. On top of that, they they yes, can't yeah, just yeah. throw they can't just throw the entire you know family silver at this and make this go away. <laughs> they've got to mitigate yeah. a lot of what else they've got going on in terms of their development. By the time you've got that and you start over and then you can start maybe making gains, Red Bull's just going to keep moving those goalposts further on themselves. So with that in yeah. mind, they're going to be playing catch-up for at least another year. So yeah. it could be a long road ahead for Mercedes fans if they're expecting to win again because Red Bull nailed this regulation set to a point where even the cost cap might not even matter to Red Bull at this point. And if Merck's committed to this concept a bit too long it's going to hurt them in the long run 100% and I think unfortunately to move on to Ferrari they're probably in the same boat right because we now hear that they're going to switch concept as well for next year mm. now obviously you know we can't believe all the rumours but there seems to be no smoke without fire in F1 so that sounds like the route they're going down um, could we see Ferrari as well be down that boat? And then that kind of leaves us one other team, which we'll talk about in a few. Mm. That seemed to be the only hope we have to kind of chase them down. What, what, what's your view on Ferrari at the moment in terms of car development and, and drivers? It's, they're, they're in an interesting spot. Like, I got a lot of time for Fred Vassa as a team boss. I think he did an excellent job with Alfa Romeo last year. I think he kind of gained the regulations a little bit to end up sixth by saying, you know what, we're going to have a super light car day one, get points early when the field catches up, hopefully we can hang on. And it works. Um, and he's yeah. done brilliant work with ART in the past as well. And he's now got ART's star driver in Charles Leclerc under his wing. And look, I think Charles is the third wing of the big three. I think it's Hamilton, Verstappen, Leclerc, and I think it's everybody else. I, I think that's yeah. how I've looked at it, generally speaking. Um, Carlos Sainz, I think, has been a little bit underwhelming, but as a de facto number two, I think he's still fine. Personally, I'm not yep. one of these people that are saying, "Well, you got to blow it up, or you got to, you know, get get someone else to replace Carlos." Because there's only one man that I realistically think could be in that conversation, and I don't think Lando Norris is going to Ferrari. Um, no, nah, I don't think so either. <laughs> and even then, like, is would that be a huge improvement? I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I think Ferrari are still trying to clean up the remains of the Binotto era, and that's going to be part of the problem. Um, yeah. David Sanchez is gone. Yeah. He's going back to McLaren next year. Um, there's already talk they're going to change change concepts again for next year. It looks like there's a mole in the Italian camp because all these big headlines coming out of the Italian branches of the media. Um, it, it looks like there is some smoke under that Ferrari cabinet, and it looks like Fred wants to 
go in with a fine comb and look at where it all went wrong for Ferrari last year and try and <laughs> mitigate that, which I think is absolutely the right way of going about it. Because yeah. what went right for Ferrari last year at the end of the day, the car was fast, but that was everything else was the issue. Um, they were not particularly reliable. Um, their, nope. their tire wear wasn't particularly great. Their drivers made mistakes on multiple occasions. And second half of the year, once the porpoising directive came in, they didn't win a race. And, yep. you know, not a lot of it went right. And I could see what Fred is trying to do, but he needs time and he needs patience and he needs to be able to bring in his own people. I'm not sure he's going to get that at Ferrari because Ferrari are a very restless organization and are very ruthless. He's the fifth team principal in, in a decade, right? Yeah. Uh, as far as I remember. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, if you look at any of the successful organizations in F1, it's stability is the big factor that seems to, mm. you know, cause that. They need, as you said, that time to fix the ship and get everything working. Yeah. And Ferrari just don't seem willing to do that. It's a constant kind of, well, we've given you three years. It hasn't worked out, out the door. Right. And that's just not enough time in, in F1. Yeah. Um, Leclerc, though, you think if Leclerc gets the right car, you, you rate him highly enough to fight for a championship? I think he's, I think he's good enough. I, I saw enough from him battling Max at the, at the top of last season with a car that was good enough to win. He was giving Max something to think about. He beat him in Bahrain. Saudi Arabia was a very close matchup. He just narrowly lost. He grand slammed Australia, and he was comfortably yep. leading that race before even Max Verstappen's car died. So I think Leclerc... Yep. I don't think he's had a car that can realistically challenge for the championship yet, but I've seen yeah. enough evidence to suggest when Ferrari has a number one car or has shades of a number one car, he can front this team to success. He's, I think he's one of the fastest dudes in the sport. I think he might be the best qualifier overall. I think over a single lap, I think he's outstanding. Um, yep. And I think he's good enough in race trim to be able to beat anybody on their day so i, I i've yeah. seen enough with leclerc to think he can do it it's just he needs a car yeah which again i suppose all of the drivers will say is if they had the fast enough car they could win but i th i agree that i think charles leclerc has shown enough that he could definitely put that pace in especially in qualifying trim he's unbelievable mm. unbelievable in qualifying trim so the yeah, I, I, I'm not optimistic about Ferrari just because I've gone through enough seasons now to not be optimistic about <laughs> Ferrari, <laughs> which is really a shame because I think Vettel is right. I think all of us are Ferrari fans to some extent. Oh, yeah, me too. You know, um, as you can see from the poster behind me. Of course. Which is, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I totally get that. Look, you know, I was a huge Sebastian Vettel fan when he was active in Formula One and I wanted him to win a title with Ferrari so bad. So I know exactly how that yeah. feels. Um, they're, they're a very easy team to root for because the, you know, the, the, the aura and the, the prestige of Ferrari is always such a prevalent thing. Um, yeah. And I, I, it, the sport is more interesting when they're winning. That's, that's what I've yeah. always said. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Leclerc <laughs> is good enough, but Ferrari just organizationally are just not great at the moment, and that needs to change. Yeah, and the question is that how long that's going to take. So let's let's. I don't want to go from depression to depression. So we'll <laughs> skip McLaren for for a few moments mm. because there is one team that, to quote Princess Leia, is our only hope. <laughs> and I think I think that's Aston Martin. Mm. They've done everything right and. Jumping from seventh last year to second this year is is impressive. It's incredible. I you know I've I've been on the Aston hype train for a couple of years now and it's punched me in the face a couple of times. 
Um, and I was really worried that Alonso had made yet another terrible decision. <laughs> but it hasn't worked out that way. And the question I have for you is, well, a couple of questions, but let's start with the, the obvious one. How far or how close do you think Aston can get to Red Bull this year? Do you think they can win a race or two? <sighs> Um, well, I think it, I think it's interesting that Luke Skywalker is now Fernando Alonso at the age of forty-one, having his final <laughs> career resurgence. Finally, made a good career move because honestly, I was I was this time last year, I was sitting there thinking, if Alonso goes to Aston Martin, is this not a sidestep? Because Aston Martin was struggling like this, yeah. this time last year, and. You know, I, like many people, underestimated just how much of an influence Dan Fallows was going to bring to this team. And he's done, cans of green Red Bull aside, he has done an incredible job. And he's rattled the right people because they know that this is a largely Red Bull concept, but it's worked. Um, You know, and just having that concept and bringing those people in who know how Red Bull operates. When you've got a winning concept, you copy the winning concept. That's how this sport works. Um, and yeah. just having that has leapt from Aston Martin up five spots. I was one of these people that thought the testing was a catfish. I really did. And I thought, they might be yeah. fourth. They're like, they might have the best midfield team here. No, they're genuinely beating Merckx and Ferrari, and they're in that mix for second. I. The problem is, on the other side of the coin... On one side, Alonso has been excellent, you know, two third places, best of the rest, fantastic. Other side of the coin, they lost both races to Red Bull by 25 and 38 seconds. <laughs> That's still a blowout. No, no matter which- ah, that, they can cover that in a couple of races, Dre, surely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so which side of the coin do you want to go with here? Because like, for now, people are going to revel in this. And you know, Aston Martin yeah. might genuinely have the second best car in the field right now on all-round pace and merit alone. And that's incredible for Aston Martin. That is... Probably yeah. the biggest turnaround I've seen in a single year since probably Williams in 2014 when the when the turbo hybrids began and they went from they picked they picked the right engine yeah picked the right <laughs> engine was reliable good proof of concept went from like eighth yeah. or ninth to thirds pretty much straight away um, that's yeah. the last time I've seen a team get a set of regulations that right um, mm-hmm. I do worry in the long run. I mean, they're expanding. I mean, they, they, I know they've they've got their new building almost done. It's going to be done, I think, sometime later this year. New wind tunnel coming. They're going to expand. When they start being treated like a big team and they're going to start getting aero deductions as well because they're going to get a lot less than last year, yeah. is that going to hold up? Or will the bigger resource teams like Ferrari and Mercedes overtake them again because i don't want it to be another williams i would love to get a big four rather than a big three but yeah you know long term we just don't know how that's going to play out yeah i i am um, i was a little bit concerned last year as well with the dan fallows thing because they went down mm. the red bull route that did worry me a little bit because no matter how well you copy another uh, another design you're always going to be a little bit slower than the design you copy because you know Obviously, the people who came up with it are, have the path to kind of go down quicker than you, if that makes sense. Yes. So I've never seen a I've never seen a copied car end up being faster than the original, basically. Sure. Um, but I think Aston Martin. What gives me hope this year is Dan Fallows has come in. They've obviously they took, we'll say they took inspiration like they did with the pink Mercedes from mm. the Red Bull mm. last year, but they have changed the concept enough, in my opinion, that I think 
they've obviously figured out their own route. And now the question, I think, is going to be, one, how quickly can they catch up? But also, which, which overall concept has the highest ceiling? Because, you know, Red Bull can only go so far with their concept. Mm. There, there's only so much you can get out of a car eventually. Of course. Um, unfortunately, the FAA have decided to change the whole regs again in 2026. So we don't, you know, we may not get to see it mm. catch up that quickly. But yeah, I'm optimistic for, for Aston. And I'm impressed by Stroll, actually, this year as well. I have a lot of respect for him after Bahrain. Um, but I would love to wrap up a, uh, the Aston talk with a... a a prediction. Do you think Alonso could win a third title in that car if they do catch up? <laughs> if if they got on par, could he beat Verstappen? I know it, this is a wild speculation. <laughs> um, we have to annoy Twitter somehow, Dre. Well, he, I mean, in a car that was similar to Mercedes and Ferrari, he gave Sainz and Hamilton the runaround in Bahrain. I think Alonso is still sharp as a driver. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's hard for anybody to get an evaluation on Alonso's current level of talent because really, he's not had a car this good in a decade. That's the problem. Literally. Like, yeah, literally. Yeah, decade. you know, I'd say 2012 was the last time he had a car that was you know, in the conversation for wins and title contention. So he's not had anything like that since then. You know, the McLaren Honda years were a real struggle. He's danced around a little bit uh, with mostly midfielders, if not worse than that. So to have a car this good, you know, this is going to be a a good idea to see where Alonso still is. I thought he was excellent at Alpine last year for what it's worth. And, you know, his last season there, you know, comprehensively beating Ocon was a good sign. He's still very good because I think Ocon is a good driver in in of itself. So it's hard to say because like I said, there's just no real, how relevant is 10 years ago in terms of your ability? (laughs) It's, 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 it's hard to get a read on that. I think there's potential there that he could still challenge for a title, but then he's also 41 years old. By the time he catches up, like father time is undefeated. So, even even if he does get a car that's up to snuff, can you take mm. on prime Verstappen? That's a, it, it's another level again, and that's going to be the issue for me. I, I think it's a big yeah. ask, personally. I think I think personally, historically speaking, I want to give my okay. I'll quickly for for just to point this out. So I want to give my optimism, mm. which also kind of flows into Hamilton fans as well. My optimism from Alonso is we're seeing him drive at an incredible level, which is kind of getting rid of that old thing of when a driver gets into their 40s, they start to drop off. Because mm. we saw like Kimi Raikkonen, for example, just driving around on a Sunday drive for a couple of years, mm. even though we know how good Kimi was back in the day. Um, so I think Alonso gives me hope for, for Hamilton fans that, no, you can still drive at an incredible level into your 40s and the age isn't the key concern. Uh, and I think he's proved that. Mm. The problem is, though, historically speaking, as you said, Father Time comes in. The young always takes over from the old. Always, you know, uh, Alonso himself has proven that by beating Schumacher back in two thousand five and two thousand six. Mm. Right? This is just the way it goes. Cycles. Yeah. Um, so that's my only concern for Aston is if they do get a car that could actually be on par with Red Bull. As you said, do they have a driver? Because look, massive respect to Lance Stroll for what he's done, but he's not a Verstappen contender. No. Uh, you know, um, so yeah. So so let's get on to more depressing notes. <laughs> McLaren. <laughs> oh, joy of joys. 
Um, okay. I hate to do this, McLaren fans, but they're not having a good year, are they? No. Um, I think summed up by the fact that Piastri broke his front wing in Jeddah and that piece flew off and went, was it 10 cars back and hit Norris's car? Yeah. And took... I think Bottas drove over it too. I think Pierre Gasly hitting Piastri single-handedly ruined three people's races indirectly. And mate, uh, like, uh, <laughs> like, even when the car isn't dreadful, they still have like bad luck Brian moments hit them. Like that, that takes some doing. Like that is a, a unicorn for in, in Jeddah. I, I, I can't believe we breezed through a conversation about Ferrari's pains, and I don't even know where to begin on McLaren. That's how bad it is at the moment. I mean, they've so we've got them having poor time on track. In fairness, though, they also had poor times on track last year mm. in those two races. And then went very well at Australia. So there is that hope yeah. for McLaren fans. But what's going on? I, I, I can't even, I don't even know where to start. So they've had this big shakeup, right? Mm. James Key's out. Mm. Do you think they can pull this season back? Or do you think this is going to be a, oh, I don't even know what, where to, Dre, what do you think's going on? Oh, here? this is, this, this, <laughs> where do I start here? Um, like, there's like, it, it's never a good sign when, over the winter, Zach Brown pretty much admitted that they hadn't hit their development target. And I think that was already the beginning of the end for James Key. Not that we yeah. really knew it at the time, but I think you could you, know, you can you can join the dots looking back on it yes. now and going, once you realize we didn't hit our targets, they played down how good their car was going to be. I remember writing about it on the WTF1 site that um, they were very coy about how good they're going to say that eventually they want to be the fourth best team. What does that mean? Like, you know, like it's, <laughs> they, like they lost out in that fight with Alpine for fourth last year. I think Alpine just had a stronger lineup. I mean, like they lost out to a team that had eight mechanical retirements the previous year. It's not like Alpine were, were running efficiently. I know they've got two excellent drivers, but like Alpine left a lot of points on the table last year and they still had enough to beat McLaren comfortably. Yeah, James Key is gone. I don't think he was ever that great at McLaren. I think they were always kind of spinning their wheels in the midfield a little bit, and they were slowly coming back down the board. Um, yeah, I think that's fair, isn't it? Mm, you know, yeah. I think he, he did good work at Toro Rosso, and I think he, he had we had certainly had some respect by doing a lot with very little. But again, step up with expectations, step up in team, and it's just not worked out. Lando yeah. Norris is an outstanding driver. I've said this many a time. I think Norris. Is you know he's a borderline top five level guy who should be in a top seat by now. The yeah, problem people is, who watch yeah. this channel will know that I massively agree with you on that yeah. because I've, I've praised him so much. Yeah, yeah, I think he's an incredible driver. I think Piastri is a very exciting talent. Um, the fact that he is running close to Norris already is a very good sign. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think. I, Daniel Ricciardo deserved better in the end, in my opinion. I've said, but I, think, I, I don't think this was all on Daniel that he'd gone to McLaren and all of a sudden the wheels completely fell off. I think he was at, he was outstanding at Renault, especially the yes. last year before he joined them. So I don't quite know how it all went wrong for Ricciardo over there, but you move on. I think Piastri's a very exciting talent, and I think he's up there and he's giving Norris something to think about early on, which is good. You know, you, you can't mm-hmm. ask for any more out of a rookie. But the driver lineup is not the problem at McLaren, and it hasn't been for some time. Like it's like they've had quality drivers through their ranks for the last decade. That's... Actually, 
Now that you say that, yeah, I'm just thinking back through the lineups and wow, they've had some incredible. Carlos Sainz, Stoffel Van Dorn, Fernando Alonso, Jensen Button, <laughs> Ke- even Kevin Magnussen had a podium on debut. I mean, like they've yeah. even Checo beforehand going back to the V8 era. They've had incredible talent go through their ranks. It's just they've never been able to fully utilize it, and it's yeah. it's getting to that point with Lando again where. Man's tied down for another at least three seasons with a team that is going nowhere. There is some optimism. They've got the new wind mm-hmm. tunnel coming. I think they just announced today on Twitter that they've they've opened it up. So it's it, construction wise, I think it's done. Obviously they've got to, yeah. obviously they've got to calibrate it, and that'll be yeah. a big gain for them. But this is a team that you forget. The car side of their of their business got battered over COVID, like many automotive companies did. Because amazingly, yeah. when COVID hits, no one's buying a two hundred thousand pound supercar. Who'd have thought? Um, you know, that's yeah. I I cancelled my order. That's for I sure. know. You know, it's 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 it's, it's a problem. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you're not ordering hypercars anymore. They laid off a lot of people at that firm as well when that happened. They didn't take the furlough payments that the UK government set out for them. They I think they had to lay off about twelve hundred people as well. So they're yeah. lacking resources i think compared to some of the other bigger hitters above them too and this feels like a rebuild and look if you're zach brown and zach brown has been there now for six years i think he joined in 2016 you've had Mm -hmm. three different power unit suppliers in that time Uh, and on top of that you you were flirting with red bull to potentially maybe join them as, as 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 a customer in 2026 potentially this screams to me as a team that doesn't quite know where it's heading, and that concerns me. Yeah, I, you know, that's that's a perfect way to sum it up because they seem to be kind of flopping back and forth between issues, right? It was mm. engine, now it's wind tunnel, then it's, oh, technical director has to go. Mm. And as I kind of noted with Ferrari, what you really want is stability at these teams to figure out what your core issues are. That's, that's to give give more praise that I know people will hate me for to Red Bull and you could say likewise about Mercedes through good times and bad they kept Mm. more or less the same structure and that's what got them back on the top again Mm. whereas if you kind of flip-flop and and just change out technical directors when things are going wrong you probably don't know why things are going wrong you're just making assumptions and what worries me most about McLaren is they've gone back to a somewhat matrix system right? Yeah Um, split it in three you know, you, you lost... not exactly the same, but... You no, know, it's... Yeah. And what does it say about you when Andreas Seidel walks out to be CEO at Sauber? And don't get me wrong, I know they've got a lot of excitement coming down the road with Audi coming along soon. And, <sighs> but what is it... Andreas Seidel is one of the most respected team principals in the business. He, he done it... Do, do you know what... You know, what worries me more about that, Dre, and it's a very good point, what worries me more about that is the fact that he was going to go anyway. We now know that he was supposed to leave, I think, in 25 anyway mm-hmm. to take over that project. That had been agreed. The plan. Yes. But the fact that he left early, people do chalk up to the fact that, oh, well, it's because Fred Vasseur went to Ferrari and it opened up that whole kind of cycle. Mm. But if he had full confidence that McLaren were going places, surely he would have said, well, no, find an interim person and i'll come over in two years i've got to finish my work here 
I, I, I suspect Zach had him half pushed out the door already. It was like, well, if you, you know, if you're gonna go to to Audi eventually, you might as well go now. I mean, that's the impression yeah. that I get um, yeah. regarding that. And like I said, Seidel is one of the best team bosses in the business, and he did incredible yeah. work in sports cars. Um, so, so to go over there, and McLaren were trending in the right direction when he became team principal, and. The fact he's been left early, the jury's still out on Andrea Stella. They've got this matrix system of you know three technical guys referring to Stella now <laughs> underneath yeah. them, and I don't know. It, 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 it's it doesn't like it seems like a team that doesn't quite know where it's where it's going and what it's doing. I, I'm glad they yeah. they've invested more in resources again. They don't have to ship their aero tunnel parts out to like Cologne because they were borrowing yeah. Toyota's wind tunnel, which again never a good sign. You've got to ship them out across the country, across multiple countries. Yeah, I, like like where's the hope in this team right now? Like even if everything goes to plan. You're back yeah. in the midfield. We don't associate McLaren with being a midfielder. We associate them with winning major titles. And they've not challenged they've not even challenged for a title since 2010, really? Yeah, I mean, where were they in because 2008 was Hamilton. That was the last championship they won. Yeah, right? then it was they, they struggled in 09. They were out they were just out. I mean, they were fr- you're, you're right. They were fringe Hamilton contenders was, in 2010. You know. Yeah, Hamilton was in contention, wasn't he? He was third in the third in the standings or something going yeah, into third or fourth, fourth yeah yeah you're right it's been a long time um uh, yeah I, i'm worried about mclaren because they're still sticking to their guns on this 25 you know we'll be ready for a championship in 25 which just seems odd to me given you've made so many changes to the team you know like how is it possible that you've still got this target going even though all of these things have have now come up and, and gone wrong whereas alpine have have basically gone well, you know, we changed the branding on the car, so we've got another five years now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like Puss in Boots. I've, I've, I've used eight of my nine lives up. Um, this is my ninth <laughs> one. We'll just keep kicking that. We'll keep kicking that one down the road. No, I, I completely agree. Getting rid of James Key and then going back to another whatever matrix management system you want to call it. Um, it strikes to me as a team that wants to win now, but like you said, yep. they've 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 made it clear over the years they have this game plan that they want to get back in the saddle by twenty twenty five. So, which, which is it? Like, are you are you too fed up now of where you're at now that you want to try and make some moves to make immediate gains instead? Because that's what it seems like yep. it is to me. It's like you can't stand the stench in your own room now, and now you've got <laughs> to do something because you can't bear with it anymore because this team does not look like it's going to be challenging for a world championship in a year and a half's time. That, that, that's, that's the impression that I get. No, and my worry about that, as I've said on, on this podcast before, is that means that realistically, even if they get a title-winning car in 2025, mm. Norris has one chance at winning that title in 25 before he has to make a decision about where to go. And realistically, does he say, well, say at McLaren, we almost won the title when we're getting new engines, new aero. You know, like, the chance of them getting it right perfectly in 26... McLaren wouldn't be the team I'd put my money on no, in that situation. I, w- so. I would. I mean, Norris is a driver that's good enough for that, and I think he deserves a step up. There's been nothing about McLaren in the last 
five six years of the Zach Brown era to make me think they're going to immediately challenge for a title. There would not there would not yeah. be the horse I would bet in that race. Hmm. No, and I, I don't want to bash McLaren too much because yeah. as you can probably see as well from the other one, I'm a massive McLaren fan. Of course. To be honest, I kind of support most teams, and yeah. yes, that does say horny for Horner. I'm sorry, people watching. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I can't see all of it in the Riverside FM box we're recording this in. I had a feeling it might have been that, and I was kind of hoping it wasn't. Um, <laughs> ah well. Um. <laughs> I to be fair, I printed that during 2021, and I remember thinking to myself, "What could I put on this that would really irritate people?" Well, and I think the one that's unfortunately out of shot is uh, over there somewhere, which is a McLaren or a Mercedes one that says "Bring back Nico." Oh so no. I got those pe- yeah, and I don't stand by that, by the way. That's a terrible idea. But I just decided to put both of them to annoy people as much as possible. That's fair. Like uh, uh, you're, an equal yeah. oppo- you're an equal opportunity hater, as I like to say. Yeah, I'm here for F1 and the bands. Yeah, good man. Um, yeah, so, so look, uh, moving away from depression to just confusion, where do you think Alpine is this year? Because that's one team I can't get a read on. Because there's points where I'm like, I think they've got a really good car. But other points where I'm like, where is it in reality? Is it fifth fastest? Is it mm. is it able to challenge for fourth with Mercedes? I don't think so, but I don't know. It looks to me, and I have this same feeling about another team, which I think we might get to in a bit, and that's uh, the artist formerly known as Sauber. Um, but because <laughs> I, I, I think Saudi Arabia was a much clearer indication of where they're at. I think they've got a strong car over a lap maybe they could get into the top five on qualifying race trim i think they're in that very cushy number five slot um i don't think the initial impressions tell me that they're more than maybe an eight four or ninth at the moment which is ironically where both their cars finished in saudi arabia um (laughs) it's like it will you almost had a very noah's ark situation if it wasn't for lance stroll's ers failure in that race i think we would have had the five teams, the, oh, that's the, true, the, actually, the five yeah. big teams in the all in the top five slots. And we had mm-hmm. both Alpines together, both Ferraris together, both Red Bulls together. And we would have had George Russell in the middle of an Aston Martin sandwich. Um, mm. But I, Alpine, I think, are like the worst of the, of the big hitters. Uh, and that's still going to be fifth. The problem is Alpine wants more than that. It's more than obvious yeah. they want more than that. And I think accidentally they've ended up taking a step back because Aston Martin have leapfrogged them. Um, so I think they're on the outside of that big hitter top eight looking in. Yeah, Gasly went, Gasly had drove brilliantly in Bahrain to come back from Bahrain to finish in ninth, but eighth and ninth was a lot more of a conventional weekend. And that's where Alpine were very comfortable. They were clearly ahead of that fight for the final point between Magnussen and Sonoda where Haas and Alpha Tauri and that, that, I call it a, a bar fight between the rest of the teams. Because <laughs> I think I think Team Six through Ten are very interesting at the moment. I think Alpine are a cut above them in that P five slot, and that's probably not going to be good enough for Alpine, given how I, I, there was a lot of excitement about them. They wanted to close yeah. the gap to the to you know the big three at the time at the end of last year. If anything, I think they've probably taken a small step backwards. Yeah, it's. It's worrying as well because at the end of the day, if they don't make some big progress, then later this year, twenty twenty four, you've got to wonder how long Renault, the you know the the parent company, will stick around because they have got a habit of jumping in and out of Formula One. 
Um, another scene, so, that yeah. was, another manufacturer that was badly hit by the pandemic. I think they had to lay off about fifteen thousand people during that yeah. time, and, and and they had they had to ask President Macron for a favor. So I honestly was surprised they stuck around because in two thousand and eight, right, or mm. after the two thousand eight recession, they were one of the teams that decided to leave as yeah. well during well, that. So yeah, you know, if anything, the cost cap might be a blessing because that means that they'd have to spend as much as they probably had to back then to try and keep pace with the guys that were really spending a, a massive amount of money <laughs> to stick around. <laughs> You know, it's, it's all relative at the end of the day, but you're right. Renault do have a tendency as a parent brand to jump in and jump out when need be. Um, you know, they are the first team to always go well. If we're not, if we can't justify being here, we will pull out. You know, there's yeah. they've been the team most comfortable with that concept over the years. So yeah, I mean, they said it was going to be a five year plan. It's been a bit more than five years now. I think this is year seven of the five-year plan. They're but they restarted their five-year plan, so it's fine, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Again, it's like Doctor Who, they've regenerated. You know, it's fine. They're Alpine now, you know, I'm sure. You know, bringing back David Tennant will only help um, in, the, yep. in the grand yep. scheme of things. But, yeah, like you say, I mean... I'm glad they're still here. I'm they're doing okay, but I don't think Renault would be pouring this kind of money to have a team that's just finishing fifth every year. No. It's it's the only other works team, right? Out of you know, it should be mm. they should be up there where Aston are, because Aston aren't a works team at the end of the day. Correct. You know, they they should be finding it more difficult to fight with those top teams. So Mm. Yeah, it's it's a big question mark for Alpine. I think bringing up Marion was a good idea. I think that might bring some stability to the team. He's been fine, yeah. But at the end of the day, Otmar also is a, you know, he's been pushing a midfield team up over the years, not a top team, yes. which is where they want to be. Um, in terms of the drivers, they have an interesting lineup this year because mm. they've obviously, they've got what I... What I uh, I annoyed someone by calling the big team rejects because the two drivers both had a chance at big teams at one stage or another. Right. Ocon didn't actually get in the seat, unfortunately for him. No. But it was Bottas that, uh, yeah, it was Bottas who got the seat at Mercedes over Ocon. Gasly did actually get a chance at Red Bull. Mm. What's your opinion of those two drivers? Do you think that if Alpine had a top-tier car, that they are top-tier drivers? Or do you think they're... There may be less than that. I was I was very sure that Ocon was going to be fine until last year. Like it's last year, he got a stiff test from Fernando Alonso, and he came out marginally on the lower end of that. Um, that's again not not a deal breaker. I don't think he was trounced or anything like that. I think Alonso <laughs> was just narrowly better, and there's no shame in that. Alonso, if you if you're on the upper end of Alonso. You still think he's a top three or four driver in the world. So that's <laughs> being half a step behind him. There's worse people to be behind in, 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 a, in an F1 pecking order. Gasly had me nervous before this season started because I think Gasly is a good driver. I just fear that the quality of his diet had me concerned because you ignore the Red Bull run. He was there and obviously he got smoked by Verstappen. We all know that. And, you know, he came back to AlphaTauri tail between his legs and Generally, he's done a lot of good work in that AlphaTauri since then. Yeah. Um, but the teammates he had was Yuki Tsunoda, who 
in in Yuki's defense, he's been very good so far this season. He's stepped up to lead that team. I think. Yeah. He's been yeah, very. Yeah. He's been fighting very valiantly with stronger cars in front of him. Um. You know, the the two elevenths kind of sum it up. It's been very on the brink. I think he's done a good job personally. But before then, there were doubts about Sonoda's future. I mean, look, they were sniffing around Colton Herter for a reason. They were they were desperate. You know, they yeah. they didn't have an academy graduate to really put in. They wouldn't be looking at Colton Herter in IndyCar otherwise. And then Brendan Hartley, who anybody knows, fantastic sports car driver, but was only ever really a stopgap in F1, really, while yeah. their academy refreshed itself. So yeah. I was always concerned about the quality of opposition that Gasly had in the second seat. And mm-hmm. now he's got a quality opponent in Esteban Ocon there with him. And Esteban is a very good driver, a guy that I think could have been called up to Mercedes if yeah. if, if the right dice rolled in his favour. So, I mean, it's early days, yeah. I think Gasly has had his moment. I think, so I think he was very good in Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, a couple of seconds behind Esteban. Nothing too much to really worry about in, in that sense. I think he was fine. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think both of them, I think they're in a bit of a career crossroads. I think Esteban's now in his late 20s. Is it ever going to get better for him than this? Like Alpine clearly love him. Obviously, hometown driver always helps. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a good guy to build a team around. He's been very good at Alpine all the years he's been there. He got a big extension a couple of years ago for a reason. Gets on with teammates. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Swimmingly. You know, never has any issues with any of them, you know, but he's gotten the benefit of the doubt. You know, they lost out on Oscar Piastri, which could have been a big name talent. Don't get me wrong. I think Piastri might have gotten it wrong in the end, but we'll have to wait and see. If, if, if he just keeps his mouth shut and just drives an Alpine instead, that might have been a better seat for him in the long run. Who knows? Um, but I am a little bit concerned. That, that he's like, is this going to be it? Is this the ceiling for Gasly? Because he probably needs to blow Ocon out of the water to really put himself in line for a top seat again. And I'm not convinced he's going to do that. Yeah. I think their only hopes really are that Alpine do get everything together and, and push themselves up. Because I think, unfortunately, for both, like you said, Gasly and Ocon, I don't think any big team, well, of the top four now, are going to take a risk on those drivers. I think that's mm. it is just a risk. Because if you bring someone like, say, a rookie like Piastri in, you're not taking a risk because they're an unproven driver. You know, you can trial them out. Whereas if you bet the ranch on Ocon and he comes in and does a poor job, you're going to be looked at as, well, surely you saw that he wasn't capable, you know. Yeah. That's that's the way people will look at it in the paddock. We've been here before. Like, there's there's yes. a body of work there. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, look, I, I'm excited to see where Alpine go throughout the rest of the season. I'm hoping that we start to at least get an Alpine and McLaren fight for McLaren and Alpine fans to have something to, to mm. grasp onto for the year. <laughs> um, of the other... We've covered everyone. There's four more te- three more teams? Three more teams, right? I'm four. Not crazy. Is there four? Who am I missing? So Alfa Romeo, Haas. Williams, <laughs> Alfa Tauri. Williams. I forgot Alfa Tauri. You're right. Most I people complete- have. Yes. <laughs> I think even Alfa Tauri have forgotten Alfa Tauri. Mm. Let- let's start by who is out of those four the most exciting for you to watch this year? Um, oof. Uh, like they've, they've, uh, <laughs> tough call, this one. Um, <laughs> They've all got flashes, and that, that's the thing that's interesting about them. Like Magnussen and Sonoda had a fantastic fight for P10 in Saudi Arabia that went all the way down to the end. And you know, props to both of them. Magnussen drove well um, to get a point on the board because I, I think Haas have got 
a problem where they they're fast over a lap, but in race trim, I think they are a bit more a bit more struggly, to say the least. But I think Madison got a good point out of it. I think Hulkenberg's not far off. Alpha Tauri again. Sonoda is trying. Bless him, he is trying. I know, like <laughs> they, they put a lot of pressure on him to lead this team in in the off season. I I, I, was, I was there when they launched the car, and they had the the press release saying that Sonoda is expected to get Q3s and regular points. Only for yeah. a month later, for Franz Toss to say, "I don't trust my engineers anymore." <laughs> um, Something's yeah. missing here. I think Alpha Tari might have the weakest car in the field on paper. And if Sonoda's getting to 11th and challenging for points, he's not the problem. It's pretty clear he's not the issue here. And I think he's actually yeah. driven very well so far this season, all things considered. Um, Williams, Albon scoring points first round, or, or a point first round, I, sh- I guess t- technically I should say. Um, that's a good start. I think Williams have definitely taken a step forward compared to last year. They're not the bottom feeders anymore. They are, they have something. And I think Logan was probably on the wrong strategy in Saudi Arabia, but still... He's, he's been impressive though, right? He's Logan defended Sergeant. well. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, he was only about eight seconds off Albon in Bahrain, which Albon is a good driver. And, you know... Very good. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Sergeant for, to be in his wheelhouse already is a good start. Like, I don't think you could ask for much more. He was like the more low-brow rookie of the three that we got that we got this year. Much was said about the threes already, and obviously Piastri yeah. was highly touted. Sargent was a bit more under the radar. and I, I think he's done a spectacular job, though. I think he's been... Like, he's Can't ask for much more. Been, no, he's actually kind of been the most exciting rookie for me, just because I kind of knew Piastri would come in and do a fantastic job. Mm. Job? Job. Um, and De Vries... You know, um, De Vries beat Latifi in F2. What more do you need to say? You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's like the Freeze was like the fourth man in that class of 20, I think it was the class of 2019 when it was Russell, so. Norris, and Albon, and they all went up together. And the Freeze was number four. So he was kind yeah. of like left out to, to left out in the, in the sun a bit too long when he wins. The only guy he really beat was Nicholas Latifi. And we all know how well that turned out at, uh, at Williams. And, Top you know. quality driver, Latifi. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. miss him. Yeah, me too. You know, yeah. how much more the teller jokes can you get out of this one? Um, no. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think Sargent's done a very solid job so far. And I think he's done... Like, I don't think anyone's expected him to walk in and beat Alex Albon straight away. Albon, I think, was excellent last year at Williams. I think he's been very good so far this year. Yeah. Um, you know, he if he's even close to Albon, that's a that's thumbs up all round at Williams. That's exactly what they need. They need a quality second driver. And Sergeant so far could be that. And I think low key, I think he's been very solid so far in, in F one. Yeah. Um Haas not exactly the sexy pick right now, if I'm being honest. No. You know, I, I I don't think Mick Schumacher deserved to lose his job over over what how how that played out. I think yeah. I suspect the crash damage was the was the death penalty on for, for him on that one, which is a shame because I think he was getting the better of Magnussen week to week in races. I think he was faster than Kevin Magnussen over the course of the year last year. But they wanted a safer pair of hands, and Hulkenberg is that, and he's always been that. So I I, I get why they did it, but it's just very uninspiring. Personally, yeah, I, I like I understand why they did it. I think they probably made the right decision for Haas because it's a kind of a more 
a more controlled and proven pair of hands. Yeah, if look, that makes sense. Then they're a lower down team, and they've not got they've got the least amount of resources of any team in F one. So yeah, at that like I was I said to people before, look on pace alone, I would take Schumacher over Magnussen. But then I also had to put an asterisk on that and say, but they're lower down the grid. How much does the crash damage start to matter? Exactly. Be, you know, yeah. and there was multiple millions of pounds of car that my, Schumacher wrote off. Mm. My only grievance about the whole Schumacher thing was the way in which they did it. I think they've left it far too long, and I think Schumacher could have maybe found himself somewhere else to go mm. if if they hadn't have pushed it that far down the season. I agree. Um, because it was, I, it was, it was I, a bit crappy, that. Yeah, I think they knew halfway through the season they were going to replace him, and I think if they had it called it then... That it would have been a very different situation. Yeah, well, D- DTS um, season five showed a lot of that. I mean, he was kind of fed up by Mick by Monaco, uh, basically. I kind of thought DTS season five was like the best season so far because it was kind of the ideal season to cover. There wasn't an incredible mm. controversy, but there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that was good. There was, for a, it. there was a. I'm, I'm kind of in two minds with that because, like, part of me is like, yeah, some of the behind the scenes stuff was interesting. But I think they left far too many big flashpoints off the table. (laughs) It it, it ended up being the bit (laughs) F1 puff piece for me because it was like Saudi Arabia wasn't mentioned. Brazil was barely mentioned. That was probably the most highbrow, newsworthy race of the year, and it was barely covered. Um, It wasn't, yeah. Yeah, you know, Brazil was hardly touched. Even though there was so much shit that went down in Brazil um, that we just didn't get covered at all, um, and things like that. And it felt like you can't con the fans anymore with with DTS because the guys who you got in from the show's success who have followed the sport since then now know how the sausage is made. So you can't pull the wool over their eyes anymore. They know what was important over the season (laughs) and what was covered. And if it doesn't get featured on DTS, they're going to know about it now. I think the only reason I loved it was just because it covered that silly season and I did want to see kind of what was going on. I think that was the main main point for me 100 um let's kind of start to wrap up but on on just a a rumor that i'd like to ask your opinion on sure alpha tauri uh which is the you know the last team at the moment no mclaren are last well that's crazy actually yeah mclaren are last yeah yeah i'm sorry mclaren fans uh, alpha (laughs) Alpha tauri anyway um obviously franz toss said he doesn't trust his engineers anymore Mm -hmm. there was the rumors about it being sold Mm-hmm. And now the team is adamant that it's not being sold. Mm-hmm. In a similar way to the fact that Ferrari were adamant Mattia wasn't going to leave. Right. Do you think it will be sold? Because it has been a team that even Dietrich says over the years has always been up for sale if the right offer came along. It's Do inter- you think it'll be sold? It's interesting. Uh, like, and there's kind of a USA branded elephant coming in from the corner of my room here with, and it's, it's last name may begin with a and ends with Andretti. Um, <laughs> because, you know, sorry, I don't understand. Who's that? No, um, oh, no idea. Some, some dudes in America, you know, you, right. you, yeah, you, yeah. you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know them. Um, yeah. no, it's, <laughs> it's, this is an interesting one because like, we were blindsided with that story because you think it came out last day of the test that like oh mm-hmm. Alpha Tauri might be for sale holy holy crap um okay uh and and as you said the rumblings were before that that the Dietrich has passed away that there might be more flexibility to selling up and there are potentially interested buyers I mean Andretti is the big obvious name does he want to base himself in Italy though. Um, I yeah. know they're building a big facility in Indianapolis because obviously that's where they're based, Andretti Auto Sport, and that's 
going to be the one-stop shop for everything. They're going to be a proper American team. Um, I know I've spoken to so many Americans that just don't mess with Haas in that sense because <laughs> they're more they're more English than they are American, and and and, and that comes with the territory given they're Banbury based. But you know, it's a proper American team. It's it's it would be far cheaper for Andretti to buy AlphaTauri and take their assets and do that and buy their spot on the grid rather than start from scratch, because it's right. becoming abundantly yep. clear Formula One doesn't want an eleventh team. Like the FIA wants an eleventh team, but the F the F one management they're like no we like our ten team franchise model. If we're going to add an eleventh team, we want guaranteed value. We want to be like the NBA or the NHL where you've got to put up hundreds of millions of dollars up front. They're trying to push it to 600 million now, right? Is what the F1 teams and FOM are trying to do. That was the lowest number I heard. (laughs) Okay. I I heard bigger. (laughs) I I heard numbers that that started with a B. Um, You know, because the teams have have got an argument that their share is worth more than what it was during the last Concord agreement or before the pandemic in 2020 when they agreed to have this $200 million (laughs) compensation bollocks um personally because like (laughs) and i say it's bollocks because one 20 million dollar check is nothing to an f1 team in the grand scheme of things if we're spending 135 a year um you know a one-off 20 million dollar payment isn't a lot of money like and to a degree i get where the teams are coming from from that argument you know where you know their slice of the pie is probably worth a bit more than that now but we as fans aren't going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that one, and we want the eleventh <laughs> team, damn it. Um, yeah. So, no, I, going back to the AlphaTauri cell for a second, I think that running running a team is expensive. Um, you know, even with this cost cap era, if anything, the cost cap era probably makes it more alluring to potential buyers because it's cheaper year to year to run. Um, you know, you're better justified to spend the cash because everybody else will be spending the same, which is, and that's what teams are doing. Has said earlier this year, for example, that they are now spending to the cap. So are Alfa Romeo. If any, the problem is, it's not exactly what you call a buyer's market at the moment. Um, is it, who's got the cash? Um, and what yeah. sort of money would it take? I mean, are, are we talking half a billion more? Um, you know, can anybody afford to front up that sort of bill not named Andretti? And even if they were, do they want to take up an Italian facility? I don't know, because that's where mm. they're based. They've got some UK bits as well. Because they yeah. use Red Bull's wind tunnel, but the landscape's a bit sketchy at the moment for me to think. Well, who's going to come forward and write a, you know, half billion pound check to make Red Bull sweat it over a little bit? I don't know. The only thing that would make me concerned that Andretti might not want it is that, you know, Italian branch and having to take over something that way because. Just on the pure basis that one, they've already started building their facility in America, right? So that mm-hmm. they've already put you know, literally shovels in the ground for that. Mm. And they were going to take over Sauber, but the reason they didn't want to take over Sauber is because of uh, rousing, right? He wanted to keep his 25%, which Audi have agreed to, Andretti didn't want to. Mm-hmm. So you're right that Andretti have the money, but I, I, I would be a little bit concerned that maybe they would go, no, it's literally, we're taking it over as an entry point, and we're going to basically scrap most of the stuff you have already. Yeah. You know, and, um, you're and buying that might spares. be an issue. Yeah. Basically, basically, you're paying six, seven hundred million just to get onto the grid with an easy, you know, easy access. So uh, I think it'll be interesting, as you said. Uh, they would be the only buyers I could see on the market at the moment. 
But I guess it'll depend on whether they get accepted or not, right? But we're not going to know that for... Yeah. They probably won't, because it, F1 will probably push back. It's... It, I mean... I, I wrote about it on the on the WTF on website uh, last week, where I said Andretti seemed like the tug of the rope in a tug of war between <laughs> the FIA on one side, who want an expanded grid. Mohammed Ben Sulaim was public in saying that he wanted more participation, yep. and he opened the door for entries as early as 2025. I don't think anyone's going to be on the grid that early because why would you get on the grid before a major regulation change? I mean, you, you're better off waiting for 26 and starting from there. And it's weird because. Andretti has done everything that Formula One management has asked and like what the team bosses have said could potentially bring value to justify it. They're like, yeah. pay the 200 million fee. We will. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you've got to add value. Does bringing in General Motors count? You know, because yeah. here's General Motors because obviously it's like it's going to be a Cadillac badge, but it's still General Motors and that's as big as it gets in terms of car manufacturers. So they've got that. They've got their own facility. It's no secret the sport is trying to expand in America. We went from one US yeah. race to three very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, for me, the last great untapped market that Formula One wants to get into. They want to take yeah. the slice of NASCAR's popularity. Um, they're smacking IndyCar around over there at the moment. So, you know, they clearly want a bigger American footprint. I then they've said well and, and now the, the they're talking about potentially raising that expansion fee to basically it feels to me like the team sat down their circle and were like oh shit someone's actually gonna pay this fee um uh yeah. uh, uh this seems like a problem um yeah. so it's 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 pretty clear that the FIA wants a bigger grid for the good of the sport but then we are we're too busy slapping Ben Sulaim down, saying no, no, you get back in your box, um, basically saying that you know we don't want you, we don't we don't want your opinion about this. Whereas the FOM side of things are like, well, we want some, you know, we want some skin in the game to protect yeah. our value. Yeah. Um, I don't see what you lose in having Andretti on the grid. I mean, okay, if you're a team boss, I get it. It's an eleventh slice to your revenue pie, but. You know, are you, like, are you anti-competition or not then? Because I said in that same piece, is it going to have to come down to Andretti suing the sport on competition grounds? We The problem is as well, we don't know what's in that Concord agreement either that they all mm. signed, right? We don't know the actual full details of what, what it would take. And you're right, like, the teams realistically shouldn't have a... Like, Manchester United should not have a say in whether Liverpool can join the, the Premier League. 100%. You know, that, that, and I'm a United fan saying this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... So that's, it shouldn't be that case. I can see why the teams wouldn't want them there, but realistically, it makes more sense for F1 because it's going to grow the pie. And that's what, they're, that's what they're leaving out in the argument. And I do find it funny that it is the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull and so on talking about it a lot because they are also the teams that don't seem to care about the constructor's title, you know, ever. So they're saying, oh, it's going to take our pie, but we also don't care about the constructor's title either. The, the, which... their, their cake is baked. They they sell road cars, or in Red yeah. Bull's case, they sell energy drinks, and the, Red Bull has this ridiculously, you know, almost, like, to the point where they're getting potentially looked at as an antitrust lawsuit. Yes. Like, they've, they, they, like their, their cake is baked. Like, yeah. they, if they want, I mean, I remember the first year of the turbo hybrids. I'm a quick story. 2014, Hamilton wins title. Mercedes completely dominates sport. They released the balance sheets. They were 80 million in the red. But Mercedes were like, 
well, we think the marketing value is worth two billion quid that we've won a world title. So what's the point? They can afford to go into the red. Like, they don't care if they lose money year on year on an F1 team because the marketing value of having the biggest name in the sport drive your brand and win titles consistently, that's priceless to an F1 team. So, again... Andretti has jumped through every hoop we can think of to get on the grid, potentially. And the the sport is sitting there on a big stack of cash, I think, sitting there thinking, we're actually worth a lot more than we think we are now. 200 million is not going to cut this anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and it's such a shame hmm. for me as well, because hmm. realistically, you've got... Andretti is a pure kind of racing brand coming in as well, right? 100%. Like, they're so racing everything. How long has it been since since F1 has had a pure just racing brand come in? You know what I mean? Like not often. McLa- Williams, McLaren, you know. Yeah, like you know. The rest are all manufacturers or energy drink sellers, or you know, well, Alpha Tower sells eight hundred pound jackets. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's not exactly inspiring, is it? Andretti are proper racers, obviously. IndyCar, you know, they're in they're in they're dabbling in sports cars now. They've got a Formula E team with and doing well with Jake Dennis over there up front. Uh, yeah. And they've got they've got their fingers in a lot of pies from a racing standpoint. They are a proper racing outfit, and I don't see what you're losing having them on the grid. Like I, like, I, like I said to you, I think I think you're absolutely spot on. The team bosses, I can understand there being a bit of blowback. That I do mm-hmm. get to a degree, but the inmates shouldn't be running the asylum, as far as I'm concerned, either. <laughs> exactly. So, so you know, unfortunately, there's going to be a political impasse, and I fear what's going to happen here is the teams will burn the clock and wait for 2025, sign a new Concord agreement, and then jack up that compensation fee four or five times over and price somebody out. Yep, and that was my big argument at the time when this Andretti news came out, was you agreed to 200 million in 2021. You can't now come back and say, well, what we agreed to is not enough because the sport grew. If right. if that were, you know they should have just put in let's it's two hundred million and every year that the the money goes up by ten percent the agreement amount goes up by ten percent you know but they sure. didn't think they they were just thinking about themselves at the time it's backfired as it usually does in those situations I they should have to yeah I don't think they ever thought that someone would actually be able to pay that fee I don't think they thought a brand like a a, a team would be worth over a billion just on on the base price. You know, agreed, hundred percent. So, right. Well, look, let's wrap up with just a. I, I have to do this because obviously, first of all, we've got the Australian Grand Prix mm-hmm. uh, this weekend, and also at the end of all of these creator podcasts and most of our podcasts, we make like a crazy prediction that at the end of the year is going to be in a video mm. of basically the crazy predictions. I always get mine wrong. That's usually my point. Um, yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> but I guess so. I've got two questions to ask. First of all. What are your podium predictions for Australia? Yep. And then just one crazy prediction for the season. And it can be anything. Um, <laughs> okay. Here's my, okay. So Australia podium. I, I'm, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to be boring here. I've got to say it. Verstappen, Perez, Alonso. I don't think that will change. <laughs> sorry. Forgive me. You know, I, <laughs> listeners, you know, I, I, I want to say something wacky like, you know, Carlos Sainz wins the race on, a, on a, you know, from by 20 seconds, but I can't, I can't get there on this one. I'm, I'm too much of a grounded pundit for that. Bold prediction. I don't know if this has been said yet, but the more I think about it and the more I think about what's going on in Formula 2, I think there might be some action here. Nick DeFreeze doesn't last a season. Ooh, nice. So my, my predictions for the podium are the same as yours, except I've swapped out Alonso with Leclerc. That's um, fair. 
He's I in Australia. Wa- I think my crazy prediction at the last podcast was Alonso could win Australia. So, but, but anyway, um, as for I have to add a crazy prediction to all of these, um, and I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. I should really prepare them up front instead of just doing this on the spot. Um, I don't think I've said it already, and if I had, I'm sorry. But Lando Norris switches team halfway through the season, or sorry, announces he's leaving McLaren halfway through the season, but obviously doesn't Ooh. switch until next year. Mm. Um, Wonder if there's some sort of exit clause in that contract that we don't know about. I think I think there has to be, right? There has to be. Normally, you'd think there would be in something like that. And if not, I'm guessing there's a buyout, and I think Lando is, you know, well enough wanted that that some team would be happy to pay that buyout. How much is Quadrant making these days? Have they got enough money to buy out the contracts, I wonder? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, no, but I think Audi does. That mm, would be my, you that, know. That, that could, that's a thought. That's a yeah. thought. Audi mm. or Red Bull if they got sick of Checo, if, if Max and Checo mm. crash. Mm. You know. I'm sorry, Checo. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> Dre, uh, thank you so much for this. Uh, obviously, I'll put links in the description to WTF1, but is there anywhere else that you want people to follow you or to check you out? Um, look, you know where to find me at WTF1 if it really boils down to it. We're kind of hard to miss, let's be honest. We've been, we've, we've been on the talk of most people's uh, tongues for the last couple of months. <laughs> but if you want to follow me personally, you can at Dre underscore WTF1. Um, take out the underscore on Instagram on Twitter. That's where you can find me. If you want more of motorsport from me in general if you'd like the cut of my jib here um my other network that i'm a part of is motorsport 101 that is my original baby i'm still doing work for them over there so if you'd like me talking about formula one if you're into moto gp if you're into indycar formula e even some sports cars now because my co-hosts over there cam and rj are brilliant when it comes to the world endurance championship imsa etc so if you're more of a if you're a more diverse motorsport fan and you want to hear me talk about more stuff that would be a great place to find this so go follow us over there if you haven't already but of, and of course all i can say is if you're if you're a wtf1 fan stick around yeah i i, I sincerely hope the content is, is, is something that you're enjoying and that uh yeah just thanks to all the support there's been a lot of kind words said as well as as much as there's been some negative ones and i do want to acknowledge that a lot of people have been very kind towards us as well so so thanks to everyone that's that stuck it out and, and and given us a shot um i hope you can continue to give us a chance and that uh you know you can grow into what we're doing over there so thank you and again thank you for having me jason it's been a, it's been a no worries that, fun. the whole point of the creator series to have kind of creators on because there is a lot of choice in f1 and motorsport coverage and mm. the whole idea is to give everyone a chance big and small in terms of creators and uh, like i said i'll end it with just one uh thing to ask from the fans please do follow uh the links in the description below for uh dre and the teams and uh, also if you don't like wtf1 don't shout about it on Twitter. Just watch something else. It's not that difficult. It's Thanks, fair. everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, see you soon. Bye. Take care.